I brought you around here is treated like a god. I mean, how can you ever find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. There's Jimmy Jones from Grambling, backcourt player. Gets it out to Willie Wise, and here is Rick Barry, former NBA scoring leader. The Wise to Jimmy Jones, looking to shoot on Havlicek, he does, and the game is tied. Jimmy Jones, one of the all-time great shooters from Grambling. Big backcourt player, he's 6'5". Ball trying to move inside on Jones, who slaps the ball away. Wise picks it up, up court to Jones, foot race with Gail Goodrich. Inside Artis Gilmore, and the high percentage shot. 6-1. Jones is almost 6-5. Artis Gilmore puts it up on Chamberlain. And now the NBA goes out in front by 10, 24-14. Jimmy Jones looking to shoot on Goodrich with the overmatch in height. Finally gets it up over Chamberlain's outstretched arm. And the ABA leads 26-18 to the ABA break. Don Freeman putting it up and hitting for the ABA to make it 52-45 within three. Here is Wise with a height over match shooting on Gail Goodrich and hitting and the ABA goes out front 58 to 53. Willie Wise puts it up on Paul Silas and Wise gets the roll. He likes that brown ball I think. Much better than that red, white, and blue. 69 to 68. Shot by Jones is way short but there was a foul on the play. It's a step there and got the shot off. Everybody else was holding off, blocking off, and quite often the man can do something in there when everybody's uh, concerned about their own man. That gave the NBA a two-point lead. Jimmy Jones ties it up again now. 72 all with 4.15 to play in the third quarter. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show. I am your host, Billy Powell. You're listening to this on Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. That's all one word, keepingthenostalgialive.podbean. Dot com. That's keeping the nostalgia alive. Podbean. Com. Uh, after the program, if you want to go into our archives, you'll be able to find plenty of interviews with uh, greats like uh, Kent Benson, uh, Rick Mount, Bob Nedelicki, uh Dan Issel. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, also, too, we are uh, coming to you uh, today for with a new sponsor, uh, Zoomersport.com. That's Z-U-M-E-R-S-P-O-R-T. Dot com. If you use the code KTNA when you check out, you'll get free shipping. But uh, check out the website, everything. It has hundreds of items that are made out of the actual materials that sports balls are made out of. So if you want a portfolio uh, with, a, bas- with a, a basketball portfolio, it's made out of the same materials that a basketball is made from. So let's, let's skip that, all that now. And uh, we, almost, we almost should call this show the ABA Legends show or the basketball legend show because that's what <laughs> that's what we've had on here and right now we're going to have jimmy jones on jimmy thank you for taking uh, some time i know uh, time is valuable to uh, help keep the nostalgia alive and talk about uh, your basketball career and your life in basketball yeah it's a pleasure glad to, uh, that you invited me uh so jimmy uh tell everybody a little bit about where you were born and raised uh, and who really first introduced you to the game of basketball Ah, well, I can tell you the first part. I was born and raised in Tallulah, Louisiana, 
a little country town in northeast Louisiana across the river from Vicksburg, Mississippi. And uh, my basketball started at age 11. Uh, we saw a um, movie with the Harlem Globetrotters, and uh, we got interested in basketball at that point. And then one of my friends had a, a, a hoop on his garage, on his father's garage, and that's when we started playing. And I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, some of my other friends were a little bit more advanced in basketball than I was, and they would not let me play with them. So that's where it all started. And give everybody a little bit of uh, where where you were born and raised. Where isn't that like conjunction to uh, New Orleans or Shreveport or Baton Rouge? Okay, well, most people know Vicksburg, Mississippi, and uh, the Mississippi River. So we are right across the river from Vicksburg, and that's like about three and a half hours north of New Orleans and Shreveport, Louisiana, Dallas, Texas, that way. Yeah, we're about two and a half hours from Shreveport, or uh, the Texas line. So when you started playing basketball, did you pick it up pretty quick? Did you become good pretty quick? And about what size were you when you started playing? Oh, I was a little guy. I was, you know, same size as all my friends. And uh, I, uh, you know, just like anything, you know, you have to learn. You have to, you know, go through struggles when you couldn't do anything. And like I said, they wouldn't let me play because, I was so bad and, uh, you know, kept, kept at it and, uh, started to get good at it. And, uh, you know, then everybody started wanting to play with me. So, uh, that's the way it all starts. Just like anything, I guess you, you know, learn how to do something before you can do it. Now, when, when, when you started playing, was there, was there a particular college basketball team that you followed or a professional basketball team that you followed that kind of, uh, motivated, motivated you or kind of, uh, uh, you emulated your game uh, from? Uh, no, really. We kind of learned on our own, really. You know, we got out and ran all the little drills among ourselves. And, uh, you know, I was familiar with Grambling State University because of, uh, one of my uh, homeboys uh, played for them uh, between 55 and 60. And so that means I was in middle school and elementary school. And so I knew who he was. And then uh, my friend, a good friend of mine, was a big Boston Celtics fan. So he and I were kind of rivals, really. And uh, whoever the Celtics played, I was always rooting for that team. So I guess it was uh, 1957, I think it was, when the St. Louis Hawks beat the Boston Celtics for the championship. And so I naturally I was rooting for the St. Louis Hawks, and he was rooting for the uh, Boston Celtics. So. That's where my first interest in, you know, seeing professional teams or even college teams. And then Grambling used to always play, not always, but they played some games at my high school. So I got to see the team and, you know, saw how they played and all that. So that just uh, really sparked my interest in basketball. Jimmy, tell us a little bit about high school basketball in Louisiana. I'm from Indiana. And, you know, for until okay. until until 1997, we had one true state champion. That's when all 400 high schools would compete uh, down to the final two, and whoever won between those final two was the true state champion. How was high school basketball set up in the state of Louisiana? Well, when I was growing up, uh, it was segregated. And so you had black and white. And uh, so the whole time I was in high school, it was segregated. So we never, 
you know, competed again. It wasn't just one championship. There's always two championships in Louisiana. And so the thing about it is we got to play a lot of basketball, though, because and uh, the, the way it was in high school, when I got, I started in 10th grade on the basketball team, <laughs> and we used to play tournaments at some uh, town or city around the state every Saturday. So when we were playing high school basketball, my first year, we played 50-something. Every year we played 50-something games of high school basketball. Because of the fact that, you know, we played in tournaments on, on a Saturday, and if, if you win, you play more games, of course. So we won a lot, and so we got a chance to play a lot of ball. Was Grambling State your first choice? That And did you just um, uh, latch on when they offered you uh, to come and play for them, or were other schools interested in you playing uh, for them? Yeah, they had other schools that were interested, but, you know, my mind was made up. I wanted to go to Grambling because – I guess let's say I was ninth, uh, maybe eighth or ninth grade when they played a game there, and uh, you know, then a lot of my friends uh, went to Grambling, so it was pretty easy. And plus, Grambling was a really good basketball team uh, during those times, and uh, so it was really, really easy to make a choice when they showed the interest. Was Coach Eddie Robinson there when you were there? Yeah, he was the athletic director and football coach, and uh, I always have a good story to tell about him because. My freshman year, I wasn't a very good outside shooter, uh, but he brought me into the gym, and uh, he had well, we had to practice twice a day. So the first practice, he would ask me to come in early. No, it was a second. I don't remember the first or second practice, but he asked me to come in early so he could work with me on my shooting, and you know, help me get my form down and all. And he was a he was a great help in that area. So. I give a lot of credit to him, and I always people ask me about that. I always talk, uh, refer that to Coach Robinson. What a spectacular career he had! Oh my goodness, yes, 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 yes. He was a great coach. He was a great man. And at Grambling, you know, they were more—I won't say more interested in you becoming a good person and a good man, uh, but they were all about creating. Uh, you know, a young adult would be very productive in society. And uh, like I said, during that time, it was uh, segregation, but they never focused on that, focused on us being good human beings and being good citizens of the uh, United States of America. What other college did you, did you have the opportunity to possibly play for? Who was who after you besides, uh, uh, you know, when you made your choice to go to Grambling? Yeah, Southern University uh, in Louisiana, uh, and I know the uh, University of Kansas, they invited me up. But I didn't go because I had my mind made up. Uh, so, but other than that, I don't know who. You know, I'm sure some other schools were interested, but I just wasn't paying attention to it. Uh, and that you... was back in the day when you know it wasn't. I mean, it's not like it is today, you know, where um, you know it's all publicized and all. But back in that day, I can say I they talked to my coach at high school, I'm sure, but I I had my mind made up. I was going to grab that. What kind of uh, what kind of basketball squad did you guys have in high school? Did you guys advance pretty far, or uh, did you enjoy playing high school basketball? Oh yeah, I enjoyed it very much. We had a great team. Uh, we, uh, I guess, like I said, we played six or some games a year, and the reason we played so many games because we won so much. Because when you go to a tournament on Saturday, you could play five games in one day, and you know most day most tournaments we went to on Saturday. 
we we made it to the finals. I don't remember hardly not making it to the finals in those places. So we had really good high school team. And uh, so as a result, like I said, we played a lot of basketball. So I, it was so much fun. We enjoyed it. And you think about playing five games in one day, that's unheard of. You probably didn't do it in uh, Indiana, did you? No. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I said, you tell somebody today, they wouldn't know about believe They wouldn't believe that. If you saw it in the history book, if people saw it in the history book 20 years from now and say they used to play five games in one day, they would not believe it. They would say it was made up, fake news. Uh, Were were both your mom and dad athletically inclined and did you have brothers and sisters? I had two brothers and a sister and I was the only uh, well my my younger brother played football Uh, my mother and father was not uh, basketball or sports inclined at all nor my grandmother who I was raised by my grandmother and grandfather and neither one of them, you know, had any interest. When I had an uncle that was, uh, uh, you know, I, I understand, I didn't remember it, but he was the one that really got me interested in basketball uh, because he was a good basketball player and a good baseball player. So, uh, you know, he got me interested in those sports. Once you got to Grambling, was it still uh, freshmen couldn't play uh, on the varsity squad? No, that didn't happen until I, I went to Grambling in 1963. I graduated high school in 1963, and uh, so that was my freshman year, and freshmen could still play uh, college basketball. And it didn't happen, I think, until 1966 when they banned freshmen from playing because Louis Alcindor went to UCLA, and uh, I think that's when they changed the rule. And how how far was uh, your front door at home to Grambling? Ninety miles, ninety miles away, and uh, we either got there, you know, with a friend or somebody uh, riding over there, or we caught the train or the bus. And once you got to Grambling, did you feel a little homesick? Did you feel like you made the right choice? Did it take a little bit of time for you to kind of uh, settle in? No, because going to Grambling uh, was just like being at home because there was so many. There was like eight kids out of my class went to Grambling. So, and then we already had people there from my hometown. So, no, and in fact, the, the, the guy that whose father had the uh, hoop on his uh, garage, he was uh, two years ahead of me. So, he was he was a junior at Grambling when I got there. So, he was one of my best friends. So, uh, no, I was right at home. wasn't homesick at all. And with the, you know, the extended family you had at Grambling, was it, uh, uh, did you feel like that was a little bit of a distraction or did you, uh, did you hit the ground running? And, and what was your first introduction to Grambling basketball like when you started in that fall? Well, actually, we started that summer because uh, back in those days, you know, there was no limit on how much you could practice. And so uh, I enrolled in summer school and uh, we practice five days a week back then. Uh, the coach had us in there. Uh, in fact, the, I don't know, the assistant coaches were in there during the summer. The head coach wasn't in there during the summer. Fred Hoppy, who I feel was the greatest basketball coach ever lived, was my basketball coach. But he wasn't there during the summer. And we would practice every day for five days, five days a week during the summer when I was in summer school. And so, 
you know, I hit the ground running, really, because, uh, you know, the, my, my friends were not a distraction because I was just so into basketball. I loved it so much. I enjoyed playing so much that when I was on the court, nothing, uh, nothing could distract me from it. Jimmy, what was the history of uh, tr- uh, Grambling basketball like before you get before you got there? Did they have a winning program? What conference were they in? Are, are they Division One when you were there? No, we were NAIA. I think it was National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, and uh, it was uh, headquartered in uh, I guess the office or whatever was headquarters in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, Kansas City, Missouri. And that's where they played the NAI championship. And I graduated high school in 63, and Grambling won that championship in 1961. So they had a good team before I even got there. They had, had been having a good team since probably 10, 12 years before I got there. So uh, the guy who held the NCAA record for before Pete Nairis broke it was Bob Hopkins, who played there. And... Uh, so, and then my homeboy played there. And, you know, so they had good teams all the time before I got there. And uh, we were able to extend that, went in uh, tradition for a few years, my four years there, and it went on a few years after I left uh, until the schools got integrated and uh, uh, all of the, a lot of the athletes started going to the white schools and grandma started not getting those good players anymore. But it was a winning uh, tradition for a long time until, like I said, until the integration came along. And by the way, Billy, uh, I never became Jimmy Jones until I went to the pros. My name has always been James Jones and Babe McCarthy. I know you're going to get to the pro thing after a while, but Babe McCarthy gave me the name and, uh, you know, that was my basketball. So that became my basketball name. That was on my list of questions. I thank you for answering that one. <laughs> okay. What, what kind yeah, of what yeah. what kind of basketball team uh, did you? What kind of teams did you guys have while you were at Grambling? Well, we had a great team. We had a great team. We won. We were the conference champion, championship three out of the four years I was there. My freshman year, I was uh, play. I played with Willis Reed, who uh, you know was the rookie of the year in the NBA after his you know his first year there, and. Uh, a couple other guys. We had really good players at Grambling, and uh, I forget uh, people were saying that you know if we had played Kentucky for that national championship in '66, we would beat Kentucky because that's how good we were. But uh, we were number one in the nation for a while there in my freshman year, and so we had really good teams every year. And and let everybody know a little bit of what teams were in your conference. Oh, and the conference, we were in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Uh, it was all predominantly black schools. And we had Southern University. We had Arkansas A&N. We had Prairie View out of Texas. We had Texas Southern University out of Texas. We had Jackson State. We had Alcorn State. And there's one other school I'm not thinking of right now. Uh, I think that, how many did I name? I named two in Texas. One in Arkansas, two in Mississippi, uh, two in Indiana, and I think that's it. 
That should be 18. Yeah. At, at what, at, at what point, I mean, did, did you have it in your mindset when you were going to Grambling? You know, you know, I want to be a professional basketball player. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Uh, what happened was my freshman year, as I said, Willis Reed was a senior. And so the scouts were coming to see him. And there was this scout named Earl Lloyd. Uh, he pulled me aside after one game. And he said, you could be a pro basketball player. He said, you have the talents to be a pro basketball player. And I didn't think a lot of it, really, because, you know, it just, you know, I didn't have a dream of being a pro basketball player. I wasn't thinking about it. And so <clears throat> went on the three, four years later, and, and then we had, every year we had somebody that scouts came to see uh, at Grambling, like uh, Willis Reed. The first year, Wilbur Frazier, the second year, and uh, the third year was Johnny Como. So the scouts were always coming to see these guys, but obviously they ended up, I was the, uh, you know, guy that they always saw and they kept seeing. And so when I came around my second year and uh, the NBA, the Baltimore Bullets drafted me, and that was the start of the ABA, and the New Orleans Buccaneers drafted me number one. And so Babe McCarthy, was the coach. And, uh, you know, he was the guy that's famous for taking his team, the segregation time, taking his team up up north to play Loyola Chicago. And I think the the governor, whoever, of Mississippi, was against him doing it, but he did it anyway. And so, uh, you know, he was the guy, and, you know, he knew about me at Grambling. And so he drafted me, and uh, the rest is history, as, they, as the saying goes. Oh, and what a career, you know, six-time ABA, ABA All-Star, three-time ABA, All-ABA First Team. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're also named to the uh, all-time top 30 that played in the ABA also. Um, what, what kind of – tell us a little bit more about the draft and why you chose the Buccaneers, a little bit more of what was going on in your mindset, um, you know, uh, you know, and, and you know, you've just, you're just, you've just played your final college basketball game and, you know, tell us a little bit what goes through the mind of a player while he's busy trying to make that kind of decision on what's he, where he wants to go down his professional path. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so my senior year, I had a major in physical education, that was my major, and I had applied for, you know, jobs at, uh, teaching jobs. And uh, some place in Florida, uh, you know, had uh, wanted me to come down to interview to take the job. Now, this was like, dressed in, I believe, was in May, in May, I believe it was, maybe in April. No, it probably was in May. And uh, so <clears throat> I had no idea. You know, I mean, my coach, after a while, he started uh, telling me, well, a couple of teams are interested in you. Uh, the Boston Celtics are interested in you. Uh, the uh, Baltimore Bullets are interested in you. Uh, I forget who else his name, but I remember those two. And uh, so uh, when the ABA formed, and then uh, what happened was, as soon as they formed, the guy came up. I don't know if I don't know the timeline on that. You know, the draft and and when the ABA started, when they you know drafted players. I don't know the timeline on it, but I know that the the Bullets offered me a contract. And uh, I don't know if they were first or second. They must have been first because as soon as uh, Babe McCarthy came up to Grambling, he came up to sign me. He came up with a car and a check. (laughs) 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 
he did not leave. And when he left, I had the card to check, and he had my signature uh, on the contract. So that's like I said, I don't know uh, why, how it, you know, what the timeline was. But I just, the reason, it was a pretty easy choice for me. And I know Wikipedia had it all wrong. And uh, I guess maybe a comment that I had made uh, about the fact that I didn't think that the Bullets would start two rookie guards. And they took it like, you know, I went to the ABA because I didn't think I would, you know, uh, start in the, in the NBA. But I looked at it like I was the number one draft pick for the Washington or for the number two pick for the Washington Bullets and the number one pick for the uh, uh, New Orleans Buccaneers. So to me, that was a very easy choice. The team that wanted you number one, that came to you with the contract in the car, that was easy. That, that, that It was all over after that. So were you kind of walking, uh, were you like feeling really good? Uh, uh, the season's getting ready to start <laughs> in New Orleans. Where did you guys play at in New Orleans? And, and tell us about getting accoladed and uh, warmed up into the, uh, the, in, into the American Basketball Association. Okay. Uh, well, so, you know, all my friends knew that uh, I was a guy that, uh, Billy, I tell you, I had two Fs on my report card in, on my transcript in college. And one of them was algebra trigonometry, today's pre-cal, and the other one was orientation. Now, anybody that went to college, you know what orientation is. That's where they, you know, orientate you to uh, the college life and, you know, helping you with everything. That was an 8 o'clock class my freshman year. I never went to the class, and I got an F in it. So I didn't get up early. And I tell you that story because <laughs> when I got the car, look at here. <laughs> when I got that car, Billy, I was up every morning as soon as the sun. <laughs> I was up driving around the campus every morning, and all my friends knew that I always slept late. But then they said he got that car down. <laughs> so that's how that goes, man. And uh, so back during those days, we didn't really do much in the summer. Uh, we, you know, we played a little bit, pick up basketball, and that was it. And uh, so the summer. That summer, I got the call, me and my wife, uh, you know, I had got married in college, my little son, who's now the coach at Radford University in Virginia, and uh, we bagged up everything, went to Las Vegas, because I had family out there, and we went to Las Vegas, spent the summer in Las Vegas, and we came back, and I started my ABA career. So that's, that's the way that worked. So, so what were your first, you know, you, uh, uh, you know, your first year you averaged, uh, you know, close to 19 points a game. And then your second year, you almost averaged 27 points a game. But what was that introduction to the ABA like? You know, you remember your first game and you remember like, you know, what the hell is this all about? Or, oh, hell yeah, this is going to be what it is all about. <laughs> well, you know, the thing about it, see, this is why I credit my, my college coach so much because of the way I was taught to play the game at ground. And like to say in high school, we kind of, learned on our own. Our coach was there, but we had already learned how to play basketball to a certain point. And two of my other friends uh, had grown up together, and the three of us, we always played together. And so when we got to the college team, you know, I mean the high school team, we were already really good. So when I got to Grant, all coach, coach Hobby, Fred Hobby was my coach, and all he did was just really improve my fundamentals in the game and uh, it just taught me everything I need to know. So when I got to the pros, I felt like, you know, it was no question. I felt like I belonged. And 
as you can see, uh, you know, I guess in the beginning, I was averaging close to, I was averaging well over 20 points a game in the beginning. And then uh, the veterans on the team, because I was the only rookie, the veterans on the team uh, <laughs> kind of, you know, stopped giving me the ball so much. <laughs> but, uh, it, it, you know, like I say, I was, I was just so prepared for basketball that, uh, you know, when I got in, you know, I just felt right at home. But, Jimmy, did you have well, a You make a lot of mistakes. Huh? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. I, you, make, you make a lot of mistakes, but the thing about it is Dave McCarthy, just like my college coach, gave me the opportunity to learn through my mistakes, and which was really, really big. And uh, like I said, same thing with New Orleans with Dave McCarthy. In fact, what happened, i give you another story about uh, New Orleans, my first year. Well, you know, like I say, we went to the championship. We lost the game. We lost the final game to uh, the Pittsburgh Pipers with Connie Hawkins. And uh, so the next year, Dave McCarthy got rid of most of the veterans. We got two. Of, got rid of two of the veterans, Larry Brown and Doug Pope. And he said, I'm going to put the ball in Jimmy's hand this from now on as long as I'm the coach here. So he made me the point guard. Uh, the second year, and uh, like I said, he just showed so much confidence in me uh, those four years that I was with him. Now, yeah, I mean, that was almost an eight-point increase from what you did uh, your uh, rookie season. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, and I probably, didn't, I don't know, yeah, I'm sure I took a few more shots. I, sometimes I go back and look at those stats and uh, I'm surprised myself about them. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it was just an incredible first year, especially. And uh, you asked another question I didn't answer. I forget what it was. Oh, no. Uh, what, was, what, was, what was travel like those first couple of years? And were you, did, were you surprised about it? Was it hard on you guys? Uh, was it easy? Did you enjoy it? Uh, well, I'll tell you, um, again, being in Louisiana, we were in the segregated south. And uh, we had to take bus trips. Uh, well, in exhibition, we took bus trips to go places. In fact, we played a game at Grambling, and we went up to uh, uh, we, we drove from New Orleans to uh, Grambling on the bus. That was probably shoot, maybe three, four hour drive, and we stopped in a town and uh, <clears throat> give you. I guess this is the hard part. We stopped in a town. And uh, everybody wanted to get something to eat. And so me and this guy, Gerald Govan, we were the only two black guys on New Orleans team. And so a lot of guys, they started to get something to eat. And so all these guys getting off to go get food to eat. And I didn't move. So go go ask me, say, hey, what? You're not going to go get something to eat, man? I said, no, I said they're not going to serve us, man. I said, I'm not going in because they're not going to serve us. And so he didn't go either then. And so after a while, those guys went in there, and all of a sudden they start coming back and saying that because uh, there there were two teams on the on the bus, and the other team was the Dallas Chaparrales, and so those guys start coming back because they weren't sure black, and uh, so that was a you know a bad experience. And I tell you the truth, that was the first experience that I had like that because you know growing up in a segregated uh, city town like I did Tallulah. You know, we didn't have the, we didn't have that kind of situation. We didn't have the contact because you know everything was in our community that we needed, and so we didn't have you know associations with whites 
And so as a result, that was the first experience that I had of being turned down like that. Was Did that happen often during your playing career? No. No, that was uh, actually that was the only time I remember that that happened. And like I said, that was in Louisiana, and uh, that was the only time I remember that happened. As, 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 a, as, a young, yeah. as a young black man, what did that, did that make you angry? Did you kind of, that's just the way it is? And further on, do you think that uh, the United States or people have changed? Oh man, I, I know, you know that's deep. I know that's deep, but I just uh, no. you know. While no, we're no, on that's it. that's fine. I, I deal with that all the time because, like, I try to tell people, like, I talk to people today, and uh, I'm big on what's going on in America today. And like my kids, you know, my a lot of young people think, you know, oh, this racist, this way. I said, oh, this is not racist. You you all can say it's racist, but it's not. But people, whites are not like they used to be. And a lot of the whites that I grew up with, you know, I'm 74 years old, so a lot of people are dead now, and especially the older people are dead. And so the younger people today, white people, are not like they used to be. They're not prejudiced like that. They like they dislike you for a different reason today because of the way you are. But the thing is, it's, it, everything has changed. And like I said, to me, this stuff is being kept alive. This racism stuff is being kept alive. Sure, you know, everybody has reasons they don't like another ethnic group or one reason or another. But like I said, I'm just not a big person that believes in this racism today. So, And it, like I said, it didn't affect me back then because the way I was raised by my grandmother and my uncles and aunts and stuff, they just, you know, hey, they didn't teach me to hate. The, the only time I kind of got radical is when I started learning about the history. Because <laughs> we didn't know much about black history growing up. And then when I learned something about the history, I kind of got a little radical because today we're in all this stuff. But other than that, uh, no, I haven't. It, it hasn't had any effect in terms of, you know, the way I have tried to live my life. Uh, even the racism, you know, still, I didn't it, didn't. it didn't bother me. It really didn't. I've never been angry uh, about it. So. That's, that's just my feeling. That's the way I feel. And a lot of people don't don't see it that way. Because like I tell people all the time, I say, all the things I've done in my life so far, it's all been dependent upon my performance. If I was in basketball, if I was not a good player, I wouldn't have made it. And I got out of basketball, I went to sales, and on my, you know, doing my own business type things. And it was always about my performance. So I wasn't turned down. Uh, you know, from jobs because of, you know, of my color. So that's, like I say, it's always been about how well could I do the job. You, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I uh, you know, uh, it's a touchy subject, but, you know, when I was in high school, our high school was probably 60 white, 40 black, but there were no white, okay. pe- there were no white people on the basketball team. So I was the only one that was on, and I'm white, and I was the only one that was on the basketball team. And I'll tell you what, being around those guys, and just learning about how other ethnicities live. I mean, I think that was almost a better education than the actual education I got at that high school. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, know the thing about it, Billy. We all, we all human beings, we all pretty much the same. And that 
And that, you know, we all want the same thing. We want a good life. You know, we want to be happy. We want to, you know, be able to enjoy life and have fun and do and help our families and all this stuff. You know, we all pretty much the same. But, you know, I guess politically, they, they just kind of divide people. To me, is what it is. It's like a divide and conquer type thing. Okay, so so let's go back to hoops. What were where were some of your favorite places to where were some of your favorite places to shoot the rock? Uh in ABA, right? Yeah. Oh man. Uh jeez. I don't know if I had a favorite. I never thought about having a favorite. I just like I said, I enjoyed it. I tell you what I didn't like. I didn't like playing in those cold gyms. Because <laughs> you didn't really have no fans. And the gyms were always cold, but uh, I enjoyed uh, L.A. We were only there two years or one year. I, would, I forget how many years we were in L.A. They were in L.A. two years or one year. I enjoyed uh, playing there. And uh, But, of course, you enjoy playing against the good teams like the Pacers and that first year the Pipers and then the Oakland Oaks. Uh, I always enjoyed the competition of playing against, you know, those good teams. Now, now I, I have you guys on the show so that you can, you know, you, you, you're great basketball players. You're legends. So, uh, I mean, did you find two, three years in the league that you're like, you know, I, I, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself. This is pretty easy. Or is it hard to keep on maintaining and getting better while playing professional basketball? Yeah, you know, I didn't think of it that way. But um, I, I, after, I don't know, I, I I kind of remember after my maybe second year or third year, I figured out I was going to be playing that game for a long time. And, uh, but because I, I really enjoyed it and obviously I was having some success. So, uh, I didn't think about it being easy or easier or, you know, I had to, I knew I had to work always to get better because, uh, I did that. You know, I got better, uh, in the pros because I spent time working on it. Uh, but it was more during, during the season, during the uh, training camp. And uh, I guess in our third or fourth year, we started doing a little work right before training camp so we could be in some kind of shape rather than going to, <laughs> going to camp out of shape, totally out of shape. But, no, it was, uh, like I said, I just understood that I had to work at it to, to get good. I had to work at it in order to, you know, com- uh, continue to compete at a, at a good high level. Were there a lot of people in the ABA, a lot of players, you know, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to dig up dirt. That's what I'm trying to do. But uh, were there a lot okay. of, were there a lot of people in the ABA, your players, you know, that uh, like to trash talk or did you, did you trash talk yourself or was it, uh, uh, you just played your game or were there some players you're like, man, I got, this guy's got a mouth on him. I'm just going to have to put up some points on him. <laughs> you know, any stories like that? And uh, not really. It was guys. It was always guys who thought they could clamp you down, you know. And uh, but I was not a trash talker. And uh, but I just, you know, just always tried to figure out how I could beat them. And uh, yeah, they had you guys that always figured that they could stop you. And uh, but that was a, that was a good competition, good fight. I don't, I don't remember them talking too much uh, because in the game, I don't. I just don't remember guys talking. It wasn't a trash talker. They tell me Earl Moreau was a trash talker. Uh, but I, I just, you know, I don't remember trash talkers in the ABA. Tennessee Powell, that's the guy you probably want to talk to. <laughs> he was a trash talker. He, <laughs> he played for the Dallas Chaparrales and a couple other teams. Uh, I think he was on the Kentucky Championship team. 
six, seven, and four. And he talks a lot of trash. He, he talks more now than he did then. <laughs> <laughs> What what was yeah. your fa- what was your what was your favorite stop in the ABA? What uh, uh, was it the uh, Buccaneers because there's the one that uh, gave you the opportunity, or did you enjoy playing? And uh, tell us about uh, enjoying playing in Utah or in um, uh, in Memphis. Hmm, I really enjoy Utah. I really a lot has to do with how good a team you have. So uh, I enjoyed New Orleans. Uh, I didn't we were only them in Memphis for one year. So I didn't. I didn't get much, don't remember too much about Memphis. And uh, I enjoy Washington, uh, you know, once I went to the ABA, I mean to the NBA. But uh, New Orleans really was my favorite place. Did you... I had never lived in New Orleans. I had never been to New Orleans. Uh, no, I lived in Louisiana. I had never been to New Orleans. So uh, that was that was my favorite city, New Orleans. Did, at the During your career as the ABA, what did... <sighs> How can I say this? Did you kind of foresee what was happening with the ABA? Uh, uh, was it something that was in the background or something you just didn't really pay attention to with uh, uh, maybe the, you know, the uh, financial running of the actual league? Oh, yeah, we could see that pretty clearly. Uh, I know when we were in Memphis, uh, New Orleans seemed to have been a pretty stable franchise but, uh, then. When we had to move to Memphis, that's when I re- recognized there was some problems financially. And then when we got to Memphis, <clears throat> we had checks that bounced. <laughs> so, so then you knew there was a problem. <laughs> but uh, I think I think the first ownership uh, that moved us up there, I don't know who it was, but they didn't make it. They couldn't make it. And uh, we had changed owners uh, at least once when I was in Memphis. So uh, we saw the shakiness of the foundation there, and I didn't know that was like that the whole league because it seemed like some places were thriving, you know, Kentucky and uh, where well, Utah had just won the championship that year because uh, I think that was that first year in, in Utah, seventy seventy one season, which was or was it six yeah seventy seventy one season. That was the year we were in Memphis, and then I uh, noticed that I think the Pipers had moved from Pittsburgh to no, they moved from wait a minute. They moved from many uh Pittsburgh to Minneapolis, I think it was. Uh there was a lot of movement going on, but like I said, we wasn't thinking about I didn't really think about the uh instability of the league until the, the Memphis situation when we had the checks found and the change ownership in the middle of the season. What was it like to play and actually for everybody who's listening um and for you Jimmy um I uh pulled some audio out and it's uh, it's going to have the audio of the NBA versus the ABA All-Star game I think in 71 72 if I'm not mistaken that they'll be able to listen yeah, to Yeah, they have both years. Yeah, they were both years, 71 and 72. I played in the one in 72 cuz I was hurt in 71 I didn't play. Yeah, and and I have I've pulled the audio from the video that people will be able to listen to before the show actually starts. So that'll be uh, interesting to um, you know to, uh, hear your name and uh, uh, Rick Barry, Wilt Chamberlain, Artis Gilmore, and stuff like that. But what was it like to play those games? And you guys won quite a few. Yeah, we played we played them in exhibitions. Uh, I think it was uh, well. Let me see. Uh, I was in Utah three years, 
And I didn't get there in time for exhibition. The first year, they played exhibition. They played the NBA. And then the two years I was there, you know, we played the NBA teams. And I had a guy who was interviewing me a while ago for a book. And he was asking me, said, he heard that the NBA didn't really want to win <coughs> when they played us. And I said, you know, you tell me any athlete that don't want to win when they play the game. And I said, it's just not true. It's just a myth. Everybody want to win. So we competed hard with them. And, um, you know, we, like I said, we just knew that. I mean, like I said, I just knew that I could play basketball with anybody. And once I got to the pros, it's that. And uh, to go back to when I first learned this, because playing at Graham in small school, we never played against Weiss. I was invited to the Pan American trial, which was my senior year. And uh, up there, they had the I think they had the Armed Forces, the NCAA, the NAIA, uh, AAU. I think I don't know who it was four or six or eight teams from different areas. And that was my first time, uh, you know, playing against NCAA players. I mean, guys who went to the big schools. And so, you know, I came back and told my friends, man, these guys know better than we are. That's why I was telling my friends. So, you know, I just, like I said, you know, I knew I had a good game. I knew I could play the bat- game of basketball. And so it didn't really matter who I played against. You know, I wasn't intimidated by anybody. So, uh, but it was just, uh, like I said, it was, it was a situation. And, uh, you know, we grew up learning to compete. Was it toward the end of your ABA career or during your ABA career? Did you want to make that change to the NBA? And then what was it like to make that change to the NBA? Okay. Uh, they had, the Bullets had called me pretty much every year. <laughs> uh, you know, once the, because Bob Ferry, I think, was the general manager. And uh, he called me, you know, during the summers or whatever. And I never, I, I didn't want to be the ADA, really, uh, after being in there for a while. And uh, so when it came down that I had to make the decision to go to, to change leagues, was, the only reason I went is because the NBA offered me a lot more money than the ABA did. That's the only reason I went. And so uh, at, at the end of my seventh year, which was my third year in Utah, uh, that's when it all came down uh, that the NBA offered me a lot more money than the ABA. And the guy that was the general manager of the eight of the Utah Stars, I guess he thought, you know, he could give one over on me, get me cheap or whatever. But he offered me a lot less money than I had already made. And so what he, by doing that, it made me become a free agent. So I was able to sign with anybody I wanted to. And so a lot of the NBA teams, uh, I remember specifically the Lakers, the Knicks, and the Bullets, and I don't remember the other team, but those three teams I knew uh, had a high interest in me. And uh, the Lakers offered me more money in another year, but I chose the Bullets because I thought they had the better team, and uh, I thought we were in a couple championships. <laughs> so I chose I chose them. And uh, I'll never forget when I met Jay West for the first time, because he had sent messages to me that, you know, wondering why I didn't come to this come to the Lakers, he couldn't understand. 
And so I told him, I said, when I first, when I met him, you know, the first time I told him, if I had known you were going to get cold the next year, I would have come, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I went to the Bullets on a free, after becoming a free agent, because they improperly uh, offered me a contract. And what did you, did you, was it, was it, did did what was your your introduction to the NBA and you started playing? Uh, did you miss the ABA? Did you enjoy the NBA? What differences was there between the NBA and the uh, ABA? Did you know that the ABA was going to collapse? Were you happy where you were at? No, I was happy you know, because when I joined the Bullets, uh, in fact, Mike Reed was the first guy that came to me and said, "Hey, let's go work out." Uh, because, you know, he was a guy who was a hard inside. He and I just played golf last week at Phoenix. But uh, he came, he, he, this guy welcomed me with open arms to the team. And so uh, Elvin Hayes, I had played against him in high school, so I knew him. And so uh, they just welcomed me with open arms. And, uh, you know, they all liked me, were happy to have me. So, you know, I enjoyed playing with those guys. And today, those, some of those guys are some of my best friends today, like Phil Chenier and Chuck Robinson. Uh, we're very good friends over here. Clem Haskins, Mike Reardon. I'm friends with these guys. Been friends with them, you know, ever since. So it was, uh, again, playing basketball, and I was very comfortable playing basketball. So I was, uh, you know, happy to be with them. In 76 and 77, did you get hurt at the beginning of the season? Uh, yeah, actually I got hurt uh, in 75. My first year. Uh, with the Bullets, I got hurt in uh, the semifinals. Yeah, it was the, yeah, what do they call it? Uh, I think they call it, I don't know, they don't call it the semifinals in high and college and pros. But in the uh, division, no, in the conference championship, yeah, conference championship, I played the Boston Celtics, and I told my ACL in the, in the, in the deciding game, which was the sixth game, I got hurt in that game. And uh, so, yeah, because the next game we went to the uh, championship, played Golden State, and we lost. So I didn't play in that, uh, that at all because I had surgery like the next couple of days or whatever. And uh, my season was over, and my career basically was over at that time. I didn't know it. But uh, I never did recover from that uh, ACL surgery. I played uh, – I came back for half of the next year. I came back in the middle of the next season. And we lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the conference finals that year. And uh, then the next year, my, my third year, I started the season in exhibition and all. Uh, I played a little bit, but every day, every few days, my knees would start swelling. I couldn't play. And so I just, uh, six games into the season, I, uh, I, I just retired. I stopped playing. How hard of a decision is that for a basketball player? Oh man, <laughs> that was really, really. That was really, that was really tough to be to have to give it up. Now at the end of the season, uh, I guess the next year, uh, a couple of teams offered me, you know, invited me to come, you know, to play for them, and uh, I didn't, I didn't go. Uh, nobody wanted to pay me a guaranteed contract because I had been injured, so they didn't want to pay me a guaranteed contract. And so I just said, you know, forget it. I just go on retire. But that was a very tough. That was a very tough time uh, being being able having to leave after ten years and a total of nineteen years of playing organized uh, basketball and knowing that I wasn't going to be playing anymore. It was very tough. But the thing that kind of eased it a lot was the injury. 
And I knew that I didn't want to be walking around as an invalid, uh, you know, having messed up my knees even worse if I kept playing. So it was between the fact they didn't offer me a guaranteed contract and, and I was hurt, that kind of made it easier for me to go on my way. But the thing that most disgusted me, I guess I was most sad about, was having not won a championship. After going to three uh, championship games, uh, championship series, and never winning one, uh, that was that was a big, big down, man. It took me a while to get over that. It took me a few years to get over that, really. I don't know how many years it took, but I just felt like it was a failure because I didn't win a championship. Jimmy, did you play enough in the NBA to get in their pension program? Yeah, I did. I played three years. Awesome. Um, that, and that all it takes is three. All it takes is three years. That, that's awesome. But that takes me to my next question: is uh, uh, about the plight of you know some of these former ABA players, and uh, you know DroppingDimes.org does a fabulous job in helping some of those out, but. Um, um, I wish that the NBA would do the right thing for, I mean, shoot, I think that when this started out, there were 200 players. I think now there's almost just barely over a hundred players left that played in the ABA. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's not been at all. And, uh, you know, you, you're looking at back and I think it's more the fact that they don't want to recognize the ABA. That's been a big, I know Red Arback was a big anti-ABA guy. Uh, Angelo is a big anti-ABA guy. And uh, these guys, I think they, were, they, said they don't want to give any recognition to the ABA is the reason that they have done with us like they did with the uh, pre-65 guys. You know, they gave those guys pension. And, uh, you know, the thing, the sad thing about our situation is that in the merger agreement, we were supposed to get the same pension that the NBA players got. And we didn't find out until, shoot, 30 years later. I think it was 09 or something. And we found out that we were supposed to get the same pension. And so I think if that was more, if that was publicized, I don't know if Adam Silver knows that or not. I think he does. I don't know. Well, I don't know if he knows that or not. But I would think that these people would, we want to do, you know, we want to take care of us like that, you know. Uh, the little pension, uh, you know, I went through a divorce right at that time, so I got nothing. You know, my ex-wife got half of the little cash pension that we got in both cases. And, you know, even though Sam Jones, my little friend today, told me to take it as a, an annuity, and I didn't. Uh, but, you know, so that, you know, means no income from that. But, um yeah, it's really a sad thing, man, to see that this this NBA, uh, which is supposed to be had, have had a merger with the ABA, and they were supposed to satisfy all these things. They got them in there. They, they, all the things are written in the agreement of, of what they were supposed to do. And, like, I was one of the players who didn't get deferred money, which was a quarter of a million dollars that I never got, that uh, was, was supposed to be paid. So it's just... It's just, it's really a, a bad situation, you know. I mean, it's just really terrible for them to do that. And, and then not, you know, make amends after all these years with billions of dollars that they make today. And they won't, you know, take a few million and, uh, you know, to take care of guys like that. So it's just, it's a, it's a bad situation. Do you see that situation getting <laughs> resolved? Not really. I, I know Spencer Haywood is working on that. 
you know, he played in the ABA one year, and uh, he's the chairman of the board of the uh, Retired Players Association. And he's made a big effort to try to get that taken care of. But I don't see, I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. He thinks it's going to happen uh, because he told me that the uh, NBA Players Association, led by Chris Paul and LeBron James, uh, they want they want to help us with that, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. And like you said, the numbers are, are dwindling every day, man. Uh, Jimmy, what what you you you're you're a little bit hurt. Basketball is not in your future anymore. What uh what do you what did you see your force What do you foresee yourself doing? And what did you continue to do uh uh to um, make uh, ends meet after uh, professional basketball? Yeah, well, shortly after I got into the Amway business, and um, you know, I started out real good at that, but then that fizzled, you know, after breakup and marriage. And uh, but I've been in sales. Uh, I did a lot of hustling uh, over the years to make ends meet. Uh, never really had a job because uh, I always wanted to be in business, and uh, I worked in financial sales uh, back in DC. For I guess let's see, from the time I retired, seventy-seven, seventy-eight uh, to two thousand, and then I came out to Vegas. I worked in the school system, uh, uh, was a teacher, a top ed teacher, substitute teacher, uh, and uh, again uh, been in sales. And lately, the last two years, I've been an Uber driver. To help again, uh, trying to get a juice bar now, a healthy eating juice bar. Uh, I'm about halfway with the money I need to get that. So, uh, but like I say, I just, you know, do whatever it takes to make this make ends meet. And you said your son coaches where? Radford University. R A D F O R D University. They in the Big South Conference. Uh, Jimmy, you were about six five, right? Yeah, I used to be probably about six four now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did uh, so did so did so did Jimmy Jones have some uh, some hops? Did he like uh, 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 a dunk here and there, or uh, are we more uh, just at the point and uh, dishing the dunk? Uh, on the only breakaway I could dunk, but uh, I didn't, uh, you know fly through the crowd and dunk on people and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I was first dunked when I was in ninth grade in high school. So, uh, yeah, I could dunk. But we just we played below the rim back in those days. It wasn't just above the rim stuff. You know, I asked you about your travel uh, in the ABA. I'm going to take it that traveling and going to a lot of these uh, historic gyms like the Garden in Boston was a little bit different than your uh, playing days in the ABA. Is that correct? <laughs> Oh, oh, no doubt, no doubt about that, man. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about that, Billy, is uh, when I came to the, to the bullet, and uh, <clears throat> I go around to these different cities, and there was always somebody from ground. And so there was always somebody to see me to get tickets. And so the guys would say, man, you ain't like you've been in the league all these years. <laughs> I, was just, oh, I just went to go around there, man. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of people in different cities, uh, you know, from ground, but... Uh, no, it was a big difference, man. Playing the Boston Garden, Madison Square—I love to play in Madison Square Garden. That was my—that was the favorite place I, I like to play with, Madison Square Garden. 
because the fans were just so knowledgeable there. Uh, Cobo Hall in Detroit was good. Uh, the Forum in, in L.A. was good. Uh, Portland, the Rose Garden. I don't think it was the Rose Garden then, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all those cities. I didn't like the cold weather cities, but you know, Detroit, Chicago, even New York. But, man, I didn't like the cold weather, but I enjoyed playing those arenas. You know, high school, college, professional, uh, the, your, the time that you played professionally, is there a one favorite moment that you kind of will flash back to occasionally or remember occasionally that, you know, really sticks in your mind as one of your favorite moments of your basketball playing career? That's, that's very hard because I tell you the truth, I just don't remember a lot of games that we played, that I played. I, I don't remember a lot of games. <laughs> Believe it or not, I just don't. And I, I probably, the, 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 you know, I never scored 40 points in high school. I never scored 40 points in college in a game. But in the pros, I don't know how many times, but I, you know, scored, I think I scored 48 points a couple of times in, in the playoffs in the, in the ABA. And uh, I think my high school in the NBA was maybe 24 points, but uh, I just don't—I just don't recall a lot of. I remember one game when I was in, with the Bullets, and uh, we were down 25 points in the second quarter. We came back to win the game. It was one of the games I kind of remember. And uh, let's see what I can think of in the ABA. Oh man, um, should have remember some of those games with the Pacers. Oh yeah. The Pacers. Uh, the Pacers had beat us two years in a row in the conference finals, and uh, the third year, I said, "Man, we gonna." It came to the seventh game, but the third year, I said, "Man, look, we are gonna win this game no matter what." And uh, I came out on fire in that game, and I don't know what the final score was, but we ended up beating you guys in seven games, and uh, that was that was a big moment. I remember that. Did did you enjoy did you enjoy being um, uh, known? What were the fans good to you? Was it was it hard to do being known or being a professional basketball player? Were people were there some people out to try and get you? Or what? In most in most cases, was it an enjoyable experience? The uh, how fans and uh, treated you? It was a very enjoyable experience. I you know like I say, I don't remember the booze. I just think people did booze. I'm sure they booze, but uh, I just. It was a good experience for me. I haven't had any. I didn't have any incidents with fans, uh, you know, on the road. Of course, they see it against you at home. They see it for you. But uh, it was a it was a great experience. I mean, I had I didn't have any bad incidents. Well, Jimmy Jones, I kept you a little bit long, but uh, I appreciate your time. I'm sure everybody is going to enjoy this. Um, and uh, thank you so much for your time. Okay, yeah, I'll send this uh, the link to my grandson because he asked about, he said, well, Grandpa, send me the link. <laughs> I told him, he, you know, once you download it, you can see the interview. He wants to see it. 